Check, check. Are you getting that? Okay, good.
Hoya Community Church. Thank you so much for joining us on this wonderful Sunday. My name is Ryan Sylvia, and I am the Student Ministries Director here. And I just wanted to welcome you. If you'll turn your attention to the bulletin that you should have got when you walked in the door, on the inside of that, there's a little space where you can fill out a prayer request. We are a church that is rooted in prayer and believes in the power of prayer. So um, if you're new here, please fill out that information. Be a part of our family so we can get to know you a little bit better. But also with that, we want to join you in your praise requests, in your needs. We, we fully believe that God answers prayer. So if you would just take the opportunity to fill that out and then tear it off. When the ushers come by, go ahead and throw that in the offering basket. We'd be happy to pray with you. We have a team that is dedicated every week to praying for the prayers of our church because we are a family and we do things together. And we want to support you in the things that you do. Oh, hi there. I was just reading a good little book. I don't know if you're like me and just love to read. You are in luck. See, we are going through a series on wisdom here at La Jolla Community Church, and Pastor Steve has put together a fantastic library of books just for us. So if you would like to take a look at some of the books that we have for sale, please head out to the patio after the service where you can get a glimpse at some fantastic books like N.T. Wright's biography on Paul, which is a fantastic look at the life of Paul, as well as a book by Reggie Joyner called A New Kind of Leader, which is a fantastic
morning, church. Welcome to worship. Hi, Mark. <laughs> Could I get you to all join me in reading aloud together as a church? Um, Psalm 63, verses 1 through 8. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing my lips, my mouth, will praise you. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. Good morning. Would you stand with me as we enter into this time of worship to the Lord through song? Thank you, Lord, for this day. I need 
So teach my song to rise to you When temptation comes my way When I cannot stand I'll fall on you Jesus you're my hope and stay When I cannot stand I'll fall on one defense, my one defense, my righteousness, oh God, how I
you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Turn around, say hi to somebody. Greet them in the Lord this morning. As you take your seat, please turn your attention to the screens. We're going to watch a video. Community Church. Thank you so much for joining us on this wonderful Sunday. My name is Ryan Sylvia and I am the Student Ministries Director here. And I just wanted to welcome you. If you'll turn your attention to the bulletin that you should have got when you walked in the door, on the inside of that, there's a little space where you can fill out a prayer request. We are a church that is rooted in prayer and believes in the power of prayer. So um, if you're new here, please fill out that information. Be a part of our family so we can get to know you a little bit better. But also with that, we want to join you in your praise requests, in your needs. We, we fully believe that God answers prayer. So if you would just take the opportunity to fill that out and then tear it off. When the ushers come by, go ahead and throw that in the offering basket. We'd be happy to pray with you. We have a team that is dedicated every week to praying for the prayers of our church because we are a family and we do things together. And we want to support you in the things that you do. Oh, hi there. I was just reading a good little book. I don't know if you're like me and just love to read. You are in luck. See, we are going through a series on wisdom here at La Jolla Community Church, and Pastor Steve has put together a fantastic library of books just for us. So if you would like to take a look at some of the books that we have for sale, please head out to the patio after the service where you can get a glimpse at some fantastic books like N.T. Wright's biography on Paul, which is a fantastic look at the life of Paul, as well as a book by Reggie Joyner called A New Kind of Leader, which is a fantastic book for anybody in the church who's just looking for how they can fit in and how they can play a part in this great thing that we have going on. So please take some time after the service to go look at the book table and see if there's something interesting you would like to read. You may have noticed some crazy kids running around the service. Well, that's because this summer here at La Jolla Community Church, we are doing a ton of crazy events for kids that we would love you to get involved with. Um, coming up, first event uh, tomorrow, actually, we have the Zombie Apocalypse, which has descended upon La Jolla Community Church. Zombie Apocalypse is just gonna be a giant game of humans versus zombies, uh, just running around on campus. It's a game of tag. This is gonna be a fantastic opportunity for us to just minister to these kids and show them that we know how to have a good time. And with that, if you'd like to partner with me to show up to, to have a good time, to eat some ice cream and be silly with some kids, we would love to have you partner with us at this event or any other event we do this summer. I'm always looking for new volunteers who are just willing to have a conversation with a student. You'd be surprised the amount of, of life-changing experiences for myself that I've had with students just in one-on-one -on -one conversations where they share the things that they've done with their friends or relationships and experiences they've had with Jesus. You will be shocked how your life will change by ministering to a student. So please come talk to me after the service if you want to find some ways where you can get involved. Another event that 
would like to talk about going on here at La Jolla Community Church is our H2O Day. For those of you that haven't taken advanced chemistry like myself, H2O is water. So we're going to have a crazy water day out on the front lawn. Um, it's going to be a fantastic experience. I heard a rumor that we're going to play slip and slide kickball. Whatever that is, not sure how that's gonna work, but it's gonna be a really, really fun time for students to eat lots of watermelon, to play lots of water games, to just get involved in the water, maybe with some water balloons, having a great time. So if you have a student between the ages of sixth and 12th grade on July 27th, that is a Saturday, July 27th, please come hang out with us from 11 to 2 p.m. We're gonna be hanging out on the front lawn, playing games and having a blast. So please come join us for this fantastic event. And now, please join us in a moment of prayer. Will you join me in a prayer to our Heavenly Father? Father, blessed be your name in all the earth and that of your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we ask this prayer. When we observe all the works of your hands, the majesty of your creation, we marvel and rejoice that you are mindful of our needs and happiness. It is almost unbelievable to us that you, the all-knowing, all-wise, all-sovereign Jehovah, should choose to run this world in response to the prayers of your people. Lord, there are many ways that make us feel unworthy of your continued love and support. As hard as we might try to be like Jesus, we often do or say things that we wish we had handled differently. It seems that daily we are asking your forgiveness for our sins over and over again. Thank you so much for not giving up on us. We also thank you for being willing to come down in the person of Jesus and share the same hardships we endure on a daily basis but without sinning. You have set the example for us to follow, and we thank you for continuing to help guide and direct us to live in accord with your will. We pray your blessing on this group and others like it, wherever they may be. We ask that we all might grow in grace and knowledge and for the Holy Spirit to enable us to share with others the good news of your King and his coming kingdom. We are also learning that our brothers and, brothers and sisters all over the world are being persecuted for your name's sake. We pray that you protect them from evil and grant them the peace that surpasses all understanding no matter what their circumstances. All these things, Lord, we ask in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Nils, thank you so much for that prayer. Uh, kids are going to go now to their program, have a great time, and uh, thanks for being here. Thank all of you for dressing as zombies today. It's really great to see you. And Oh, oh so it's not the event. I'm sorry. My bad. It's my bad. Um, uh, you'll see it in the uh, bulletin, a bio of uh, Bruce Baker, Dr. Bruce Baker, who is our guest preacher today. And as you look at that bio, I know you're going to see the big gap, so let me just acknowledge it. Uh, put it right up front uh, that, you know, you see the Caltech, you see the Stanford Business School, you see Fuller Seminary, you see St. Andrews University. The one thing you don't see, uh, let's just name it, he didn't go to Eastgate Christian Preschool. So, 
his whole life, he's been laboring under that sense of needing to get it together and overcompensate for that. And so, uh, Bruce, I just want to tell you that this summer we've arranged to rent Petco Park. We're going to be presenting you with a certificate of completion for the preschool. Uh, they're, they're, the kids are getting very close to resolving that agreement, whether they're going to do that, but I think it's very, very close. Uh, they'd be honored to have you as an alum. Uh, delighted that Bruce is here because Bruce uh, embodies what we're talking about, uh, wisdom and, and bite-sized pieces. Uh, he spends his professional life these days drawing on a whole career of doing interesting things in the marketplace to equip uh, people who are wrestling with issues like ethics in the marketplace. Uh, what is the nature of business? Uh, what is it, what, what's the application of, of AI uh, in, in a moral world? And so he does some very wonderful things that way. And he's just a great guy. Uh, we got to uh, meet about 25 years ago, and uh, I, I, Bruce is somebody I, I um, respect and admire greatly because he is the embodiment of, of doing what we're trying to do here, helping everyday people walk with Jesus every day. Uh, so I want to read you some scripture before Bruce comes up. This is out of the Beatitudes, uh, Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 to 12. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil things against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Uh, this is the Word of God. And let's welcome Dr. Bruce Baker. Wow, thank you, Steve. Thank you, church. I am delighted to be here. It's great to be invited back uh, to pick up the second installment in this series that Steve started off on last week, Bite-Sized Wisdom. I love that title, uh, Bite-Sized Wisdom, uh, for a couple reasons. One is I think that's about all I'm good for today. Uh, and, but but, the, but the, here's the good news. That's enough. One bite-sized wisdom of God is going to be enough to get us through this day. And that's my daily prayer. Praise God for that. Well, uh, as you know, last week, uh, Steve started this off by reading from the scripture of 1 Corinthians, and I just want to pick up where he left off. So last week, we got this. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved is the power of God. Foolishness. That, that foolishness, that stuck with me because... This message of the cross, it does sound like foolishness. Um, it, it definitely sounds like foolishness to the world around us. And I'm okay with that too. Because here's the next thing Paul says. 
For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. I'm a teacher, so I have to start you off with a quiz question. Which would you choose, foolishness of God or wisdom of men? I'm going to pick foolishness of God. Please, yes, please. Uh, that's the smart thing to do. I'll take the foolishness of God, thank you very much. And this is something I've thought a lot about because I think I may have the most foolish job in the world. <laughs> I'm an ethics teacher. <laughs> and I have a, a whole classroom of fresh-faced college students, um, and they're business majors. And they're focused on getting out of school and, and launching their careers. And here I am. I'm going to be standing in this classroom and telling them, let me tell you how to know right from wrong. And I'm going to be teaching them how to make all the right decisions and always get it right. And I'm going to know all the answers and, and give them all the rules. Like, who, who is a fool enough to do that? And uh, I, that's why on the first day of class, I always tell my students, if you ever encounter an ethics teacher who tells you that they have all the answers, run. That, that is a dangerous teacher. That is a dangerous pastor. That is not the way life works. We don't have all the answers. And not only that, but I'm even more foolish than that because I'm teaching theological ethics. So my ethics is grounded on a revealed faith. It's Christian faith that's grounded on um, a God who is unprovable and invisible. So that's why it sounds like foolishness to the world. Christian faith is not knowing about all the right answers. It's more about living the right questions. And that's why this message of the cross is foolishness to the Gentiles, as Paul said, because it's not a philosophy, and it cannot be reduced to mathematical precision. If there's one thing I've learned from teaching ethics, it's that there's a big difference between being smart and being wise. So yeah, yeah, foolishness to those who are perishing, yeah, it is. But oh, to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. So, all right, here's the question for today. How do we gain this kind of wisdom? The, the kind of wisdom to live this paradox of what it means to follow Jesus. Help me with that. What does that look like? Where does the Bible teach us how to do that? So if you had to pick just one word out of the Bible to capture what the Bible says about ethics, here's the word I would pick, righteousness. That word is throughout the Bible, over and over again. So what did Jesus teach about righteousness? He taught the Bible, of course, and remember, Jesus' Bible is what we today call the Old Testament. That's what he was preaching from. And so we have to look to the Old Testament to catch the, the weight of what Jesus is preaching about when he talks about righteousness. And Steve just read it for us in the Sermon on the Mount. Great crowds of people were following him. They were, they're curious. They're wondering, who is this person? What's going on here? We've never encountered anything like this. Uh, what is this teaching? And the Bible tells us there's great crowds following from all over, from Galilee, from the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, from beyond the Jordan. And it says, when 
Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them. And then that's when we get these beatitudes. We call them beatitudes. Uh, beatitude is uh, based on the Latin word beatitudo. Uh, it's the word for blessing. So we call them that because blessed are those who, blessed are those who, blessed are those who. This is how Jesus starts off the, this, this greatest lecture or sermon or teaching moment of all time that we call the Sermon on the Mount. And so Steve just read it for us. Do you remember hearing this blessing here, this scripture? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for what they want. For they, oh no, I don't, you don't remember that? For, for they will get what they want? You don't remember that? I, no, trick question. Yeah, trick question. It's not in there, is it? Uh, okay, here's what he said. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they will be satisfied. Whoa, there's a lot here. That word is way too big. Uh, that's more than a mouthful, that word. But uh, I'm committed to do this in a bite-sized portion, so I'm going to press on. Uh, and I'm going to ask, what is righteousness? What is righteousness? Well, simply put, righteousness is about living the way God wants us to. Many times, that might mean not getting what we want. But the Bible is full of teaching on righteousness. You read through the whole Bible and you realize that righteousness basically looks like putting God first, uh, caring for those around us first, so that we end up living in right relationships on all sides. I love my old seminary professor of the Old Testament, Bruce Waltke. He defines it this way. Righteous people disadvantage themselves to advantage others. That is the most succinct definition from Bruce Waltke. Righteous people disadvantage themselves to advantage others. What kind, okay, but what kind of blessing is that? I mean, I'm supposed to put myself at a disadvantage, and you call that a blessing? And I'm supposed to find satis satisfaction there? Yep. That's, I, I don't, I mean, that's what he said. Uh, so, um, let me say it this way. Righteousness is what that looks like. So if someone is wise in biblical wisdom and you look at their life, you're going to see righteousness. So righteousness is what wisdom looks like in action. That is the biblical meaning of it. And because here's why it's a blessing. Because Jesus said, I came that they might have life and life abundantly. That's what he wants for us. That's the blessing. And he knows better than to let us think, think that we can go find that on our own by filling ourselves with whatever, whatever we're going to fill ourselves with. He knows better than that. He knows that doesn't work. He knows we need him. So righteousness and wisdom go hand in hand. They're, the two, side, they're two sides of the same coin. So a wise person will act in righteousness because... They are wise in doing what's right. They're wise in living rightly. They're wise in having right relationships in their life. That's what it looks like. So how? How? Tell me. Our first instinct is to ask, okay, tell me how. Just tell me what to do. That's what I want. Tell me how to do that. 
And that's the first question that the rich young man asks Jesus. He runs up to Jesus and he says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus whips out a book on ethics and says, here, read this rule book. No, that's not what he does. Jesus never did that. What did he do? He asked the man a question. Now, I've always been fascinated by this question. I don't know how he said it. Don't you wonder, when you read the, when you read the Bible and you read what Jesus is saying to you, don't you wonder, but, but how did he say it? What? I want to I hear it. Uh, I wonder how he, sa- he said, why do you call me good? I wonder if he said it like this. Why do you call me good? I don't know how he said it. Why do you call me good? No one's good but God, God alone. Well, I had a similar experience just a few years ago, my, my church uh, in Bellevue. And uh, a young man came to me and, uh, with a similar question. And he struggled with his faith. He was a college student, very bright. And he questioned everything in the Bible. And I am so proud of him. He went on to do his PhD in aeronautical engineering at Caltech. And uh, here's the fun thing about uh, challenging questions with people is like, with, like this is that you can't say to them, oh, well, it's not rocket science. <laughs> because to him, it, everything's rocket science. He's a rocket scientist. Um, actually, it is rocket science. Um, so I was really blessed to be a mentor with him also because I think his faith journey was a lot like mine in, in some ways. It was, it was a journey. It was, it was full of uh, questioning and challenging everything. Uh, in many discussions, uh, doing a lot of theological study. And he came to the conclusion where he said yes to Jesus. And the first thing when he became a, a Christian, said yes to Jesus, was he, he asked me, so I want to I, I do this right. Tell me what I need to do. And I said, you're asking the wrong question. It's not about you knowing how to do this right so much as it's about you being hungry for Jesus in your life. It's about you being hungry for God and seeking God. He said, if you try to live your life, you're, you're going to do everything right. That's just going to drive you crazy. That's not going to work. Um, it's about loving the Lord Jesus. He's the only one who ever got it right. It's not your job to save yourself. Christian faith is not a matter of following the rules. In fact, did you know Jesus did not come to establish a religion or a denomination? In fact, did you know that Jesus had a lot of problem with religious people? <laughs> because oftentimes they were focused on that. And that he had a problem with that. So if it were a matter of rules, you could program a computer to know the rules and follow the rules. And if that's the way it works, then a robot is going to get into heaven before you. <laughs> I, I don't think it works that way. I think it works like what we read in the Psalms. I think, I think it works like the Psalm that says, you, God, my God, earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. It's like, 
a newborn baby, has any, so anytime anybody's been with a newborn baby or been at a birth or experienced a birth, uh, I can't imagine. What is the first sign? What is the first sign of that baby's humanity? Yeah. The first sign of humanity is that vulnerability. It's a need for nourishment and warmth, for relationship. That's what it is. The baby is born hungry. And that's the first sign of our humanity. That baby will grow and learn to be wise in the ways of the world. But the hunger remains for life. That hunger that's deep inside me and deep inside you is the key to our humanity. And we know what a nightmare it is if there's a baby that doesn't get that relationship. When that baby's born, it doesn't have that kind of relationship with it. We can't imagine that pain. Um, but it's the hunger and thirst for milk, warmth, touch, relationship. That's the mark of our humanity. Now, here's another clue. When someone is sick, say they, maybe they just have a really bad flu, or maybe they're on their deathbed. What's the first sign of health and recovery? Do you, are you hungry? Did you get your appetite back? Can I get you something? Yeah, that health. That, that hunger. That's the, hunger is a sign of life. Hunger is the sign of, of health and recovery. That's why it's the same with wisdom. It's the hunger and thirst for the God, the living God. And that's why Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst. That's why. For they will be filled and they will be satisfied. And now we understand why. Wisdom begins with hunger and thirst. Because we need God in our lives to live a life that practices righteousness. We need grace to carry on. The righteous person is hungry for God because the righteous person has tasted God's goodness. Taste and see the Lord is good. This is the uh, only path to whole, uh, healness and whole, uh, wholeness in a broken world. And it's what we call shalom. Shalom is when all the relationships in your life are working in righteousness. Or imagine a family where all the relationships are in are, are righteousness. If you can imagine such a family. That family is going to experience peace, prosperity. They will. Health and wholeness. That's what shalom is, is when all relationships around us are working in directions of righteousness. All right, so now let me define, let me boil this down and define righteousness in a, in a couple different ways. First of all, righteousness is wisdom in action. That's what it looks like. Now, important note here, I'm not talking about self-righteousness. Self-righteousness is a bad word. Self-righteousness is ugly. Self-righteousness is the opposite of what Jesus is talking about when he says righteousness. The, the hunger and thirst uh, that Jesus is talking about here is not the hunger and thirst to win the argument or to get our way or to tell other people what to do. That's self-righteousness. We don't like that. No, it's hunger and thirst for right relationship with God and with each other. Okay, here's the second way we can define righteousness. 
Righteousness is right relationship. Righteousness is being rightly related to God, to other human beings, and really to all the creatures and the entire environment around us. That's why you can think of green as a metaphor for righteous living. The color green is a metaphor for righteous living. It integrates all levels of reality into a, a living harmony and unity. And um, so let me quote the, the famous 20th century philosopher, Kermit the Frog, on this. Uh, it's not easy being green. So here's, my, all right, I'll say, now I have to tell this story because a couple weeks ago, I experienced this uh, because my wife, Linda, and I have this little cabin out on Vashon Island off the coast of Seattle in Puget Sound. And a couple weeks ago, we noticed a wasp nest growing directly outside the bedroom window. And we could stand in the bedroom window, and it was like right there. And um, I was determined to live green. And so to make the wasp go away uh, without using poison. And so here's my bright idea. So uh, I was going to open up the, you're already, you're already, okay, you're seeing how the story goes. Uh, I, w I was going to open up the window, I was gonna, and I tape a uh, screen netting around it, and then take a broomstick and wrap a towel around the broomstick so that the gap in the hole was covered. And then I was going to jam that wasp nest and knock that thing down and whip it back in and close the window uh, without any poison. And <laughs> the only problem was, and that's what I did, and I knocked it down. The only problem was the wasp didn't really think that it was righteous of me. They... <laughs> They, they, they didn't think that was living in right relationship with them. And the next thing I know, I had three wasps buzzing around inside the bedroom. And I'm trying to close the window, and I get stung. And uh, the next thing I know, I have ten wasps inside the bedroom. And then I, the only wise thing I did was I said, Linda, get out of here and slam the door. <laughs> I'll deal with this. And then I had these big, thick, padded gloves, and I started smashing wasps with this big, padded glove. And I got most of them. And... Uh, at this point, you're beginning to wonder, so why are we listening to a sermon on wisdom from this guy? And yeah, I know. And, and, and you know, so here's the question you're asking, I know. So how many PhDs in theology does it take to, uh, right, right, you know, it's a, the, the answer is even one is too many, <laughs> obviously. All right, well, do you want to hear the rest of the story? Right. Okay, all right, well, spoiler alert, I survived. Uh, but the next day, the, the wasps were back right at the same place, rebuilding the nest. I tried one more, quote, green effort. I told my friend this story, and she said, huh, wow, you must have really been motivated to have organic wasps, huh? <laughs> uh, so I tried uh, this home remedy that I learned by watching YouTube videos. You spray soapy water on them because they don't like it. And, uh, and I did that, and some of them dropped to the ground, and the rest of them got angry, and you know, I finally gave up, because the next day, they're still there. So finally, I had guests arriving. So Linda and I have guests arriving at the cabin. It's like, I have to solve this problem. So I got out the bug spray, and I sprayed what was left. I know. So, yeah. So you're calling the, the Wasp Prevention for Cruelty Association now. <laughs> um, but, and I eventually painted it over uh, with fresh paint, and they, they're gone. But, so, but there's a biblical lesson here, actually. Uh, trust me, there is. Um, I decided that living in right relationship with my guests was more important than living in right relationship with the wasps. 
under those circumstances. And this also is wisdom. Let me, let me read you to you biblical wisdom out of the wisdom book of Ecclesiastes, which is like the wisdom of Solomon. Quote, do not be too righteous and do not act too wise. I'm reading the Bible. Why should you destroy yourself? Do not be too wicked either and do not be a fool. Why should you die before your time? This also is wisdom. Book of Ecclesiastes. Now, this is good advice. This also is wisdom because we cannot live the perfect life in this world. In harmony with every person and every creature around us all the time where both wasps and people are going to sting us, where storms are going to come in our life and sometimes it's going to throw our boat on the rocks and crash us and we're going to be left picking up the pieces. That is going to happen. And this also is wisdom because we need, we need to keep on doing the same thing and trusting God and being hungry for God to do what God does. Because what God does with those broken pieces, that's his best work. That's God's best work. It's when he picks up the broken parts and he does something with those. And he does. He does. You know it. I know he does. And it's not always what we wanted, and it doesn't work out the way we wanted it to. It's not the way we envisioned it, but he is doing something with that. That's what it means to trust him. That is what God does. And that is going to drive us right back where we started from and being hungry for him to do that. Right back to hunger and thirst. That hunger and thirst, that is going to keep on being our wisdom issue. Because if we get too full of ourselves... We don't leave room for God to do that. All right, so here's my third and final definition of wisdom then. Uh, I mean righteousness then. Righteousness answers the question, so what kind of food do I feast on to do that? That's what I want to do. So what do I do? What's my food? And uh, Paul has an answer to that question. He calls it fruit of the Spirit. So here's the food, the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Fruit of the Spirit. You can feast on those. I call it soul food. That's the healthy food for your soul. And it's the opposite of junk food for your soul. Junk food for the soul. Paul has a list for that too. Here it is. From Galatians also. Fornication. Impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions. Hey, this is hitting close to home. Factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. That's the junk food for the soul. Uh, addictions are another form of junk food. Hunger, th th yeah, we're hungry and thirsty, and we think we're filling ourselves up, but all we're really doing is driving ourselves further into despair and uh, Eventually, death. It, it, it doesn't work. They, those enslave the soul. And the only way out of these is turning. The Bible word for that is metanoia, repentance. But it, what it really means is turning. The only way out is turning toward God. Constant turning toward God every day. 
the tears of a broken heart, hungry for the healing touch of Jesus, hunger in the soul for nourishment, thirst in the soul for the living God, the pure spiritual water. Only there will we find our heart's true desire. So don't fill up on the bad food. You won't have any room left for the Holy Spirit to fill you with the good food. The good food, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And now here's the amazing thing about the good food for the soul. It is impossible to overeat. <laughs> you, you can eat that all day long, every day, and you're never going to be stuffed and sick on it, ever. It doesn't work that way. Instead, it satisfies you and makes you hungry for more at the same time. That is the rich food. That is the food that fills you with God's grace. Jesus will fill you more and more. Those who hunger and thirst for God's grace to show up in their lives are called righteous. Those who feast on this fruit will be filled. They will be satisfied. That's the promise we have in the Lord Jesus. So here's my closing word on that. I boil it down to one bite-sized bit right now. Piece of wisdom right here. Stay hungry. Eat. Pray. Repeat. Stay hungry for more and more Jesus, more and more God, more and more Holy Spirit to fill you. Lord God, Lord Jesus, we praise you for your filling our heart's desire, for keeping us hungry, for helping us, Lord. So please help us to have the, the gift of your spirit in us that keeps us focused on the riches of heaven where thieves cannot break in and rust cannot ruin. And Lord, thank you that a bite-sized bit of wisdom from you is enough. We're hungry for you. Help us to stay hungry for you, Jesus, and more Jesus. For God and more God. For Holy Spirit and more Holy Spirit. And we praise you all our days. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you, Bruce. You know, one of the things I've always appreciated about Bruce is that um, he uh, is he has high integrity when it comes to offering himself to God. Uh, so running a company a number of years ago up on Torrey Pines Road, a, a life sciences company, had five patents to his name, and he met Christ. So it's neat, neat thing. Some people, God brought some people into his life, and he, he, in a sense, then offered himself to the Lord. And God used him in some wonderful ways here. He moved up to Seattle, and God used him in some incredibly wonderful ways there. And so... Um, a friend of mine who was new in his faith from Newport Beach walked, went up to Seattle to, to work on some software stuff. Bruce was heading up handheld devices for Microsoft. And my friend came back to Newport Beach and said, wow, it's so neat. I went up there not knowing anybody, and I met a really neat Christian guy. He's part of this team I'm working with. And Bruce, you said, so generously offered himself, not just as a, as a partner representing a, a, an interest of Microsoft, but as a friend to my friend. And <coughs> my friend was a very cynical guy, you know, his... He was cynical because everything I learned at Harvard Business School and working for McKinsey taught me to be self-protective. I offer nothing. But Bruce disarmed him by saying, hey, you know, yeah, let's have a friendship. And my friend, in his place of vulnerability and faith, all of a sudden was caught up in this wonderful relationship about
the Lord said, super simple, just say everything to you. You don't have to memorize much. It's just a simple word, everything. <laughs> it's the same answer. When you say, Lord, what is it that you love about me? He says, it's simple, everything. Because everything about you means everything that I want to give you to become the best version of you, to reflect my glory in your life. So as we receive the offering of the morning, this is your opportunity, whether you are walking tight with God or you feel like very distant from God, say, okay, Lord, I'm offering me this to you. Because if you give you to him, everything that you have goes with it. And you will learn how to use wisely your time, your talent, your treasures. Why? To glorify him, to bless people in his name. And whether you have an office like on Tory Pines Road, you're changing diapers for little babies at home. Uh, whatever you do will be an ongoing act of you offering yourself to him. And one day you wake up and you say, what did I go wrong? I'm teaching ethics to university students. <laughs> <laughs> or at the same time you say, wow, it came out so right. I've become the, the person of wisdom that I've never imagined being. I've become a person that is constantly experiencing your grace in new and fresh transformational ways. This is the glory of God revealed in us uh, as we walk in his and his fullness of life that he's giving us. The generous, the generous and lavish love of God is making us wise, making us wise for his purposes. So let's continue worshiping the Lord as the offering of the morning is now received and, uh, and as the, the worship team leads us in praising God together. Lord Jesus, uh, we bring ourselves to you. We open our hands to you. We open our hearts to you. We open our minds to you. We want to open our lives to you so that as you open us up to one another, a treasure is revealed. Hunger is assuaged. Thirst is quenched because we're feasting and drinking in you. We're enjoying your company uh, together through your Holy Spirit among us. And we pray this in Jesus' name as we commit the offering of the morning to you. Amen.
give you praise in this place, Lord. You are worthy. You alone are worthy. Let's sing this song to the Lord.
we can pray for you for anything that concerns you or somebody you care about, go right out the door and around the corner to the front of the church. There's a beautiful little prayer garden there, and uh, there'll be people there who will, who will pray with you. And you don't have to even tell them what you want prayer for. Just say, please pray for me. And if you want to tell them, fine. They'll, they'll pray for whatever you request of them. Uh, and go out and then get a book. <laughs> Buy a book. Uh, we are a learning community here. Uh, we want to drink deep of the Word of God, and then uh, we want to drink deeply of, of, of uh, content to allow us to um, apply the Word of God in practical ways in our life. Uh, if you're interested in, for example, uh, artificial intelligence, that's a big issue these days. Uh, Bruce is part of a consortium of people up in the, up in the Seattle area, uh, AI and faith. Uh, you can go online and get information about that. If you've ever read the magazine Christianity Today, one of the great uh, magazines uh, printed today, about theological stuff on the cover of the June uh, issue. Uh, Bruce talks about uh, economic flourishing and, and the nature of business to, to bless and to bring God's shalom. And so we wanna give you practical ways to, to engage your faith and apply it day to day. Um, if you haven't really been part of a community, uh, we wanna invite you to be part of this community. Uh, I'll, I'll just be right up front. It's nothing but half the time a big headache uh, in a, being in a community. Why? Because they're filled with people. And there's no normal people in our church. I just got to tell you that by way of full disclosure. But if you're not in community, it's continuous chronic heartache. Take the occasional headache in favor of, uh, instead of the chronic heartbreak of not being in a Christ-centered, biblically-based community. Uh, we, have a, we serve a perfect Lord as imperfect people. But the point of all that is he shapes us into a community. Everyday people learning to walk with Jesus every day. So we invite you to be part of that. And, and if you're from someplace else, uh, we'll, we'd love to help you connect with a community like that uh, wherever you live. And so now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord who loves you more than you can ask or even imagine give you everything you need to walk in newness and fullness of life with him one day at a time, both now and forevermore. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Oh, I'm running to you.